say before we get started. I know we joke about uh, being in Colossians uh, for the next four years. Let me just tell you that there is a reason uh, or a method to the madness. Um, <clears throat> I got to be an adult and I got to be a pastor for 10 years and then I realized that I really had no clue what what the scriptures meant. Like I knew John 3:16 and I knew Philippians 4:13 and I knew I knew Romans 3:23 and Romans 6:23. I I memorized the Romans road and yeah, I knew yes, Romans 10:10. 10, 10, I I I 10, 9 and 10, you know. I knew all those, but but I knew those in in isolation from the rest of the context. And it wasn't until I started like reading entire books of the Bible. I remember when we first moved into this building, um, I was in the middle of reading Romans for the first time all, all together and getting a panoramic view of what Romans was really talking about, what what, what is really the message that Paul is, is dealing with throughout the whole letter of Romans? And, uh, and so we, are, we take our time because I want you to not just get a verse here and a verse there and know that. I want you to know the context of these verses and what Paul is talking about. That's why we, I, I keep repeating that in Colossians, Paul is talking about how to mature in Christ. Because I don't want us just taking verses out of uh, uh, verses here, uh, a verse here and a verse there, and just quote them and put our own meaning to them. I want you to know what Paul meant when he said those things, when he wrote those things, and and so that's why we're taking the time because these are not easy issues. I mean, you just look at Romans, I mean Colossians chapter two, uh, verse fifteen. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. And put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. What in the world does that mean? What in the world does that mean? Who are the rulers and authorities that he is stripping of and putting into open shame? Those are things you need to talk about. And those are important issues. So that's why we're taking the time to do it. I want you to get the text. And I want you to get the context of what Paul is saying. Because if we just read through the impact of the of the word of god is 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 severely crippled and you open yourself up to being uh, swayed by false doctrine when you take a verse again we've used this this week if you know philippians 4:13 anybody know it i can do all things through christ who strengthens me if you know that and you think you can walk in front of a, a choo-choo train and hold your hand out and you say, in Christ, I'm going to stop this train. Well, that's not what Paul meant when he wrote it. But you don't know that's not what he meant if you don't read the whole passage in context. And people live their whole lives living out one particular scripture or another just like that. Using it to mean something that it does not mean 
and suffering the consequences of their error. And I don't want that for you. I want better for you. I don't want you living, thinking you're living by the truth when you're really living by a perverted view or perspective of the truth. I want you to know what the truth is. So that's why we take this time. So we're not going to speed through. We're not. We're, we're gonna. We're gonna talk about it because I want. I want us to understand it. I want to understand it. I want you to understand it. And so we may never get through Colossians till Jesus comes back. But I hope to God that you you at least know Paul is talking about maturing in Christ, how to do that and how not to do that. Now today, today verses thirteen through fifteen. We talked a little bit about this last week, but. Paul says, and we're just going to read those three verses. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Christ. I want you to get this. God made alive together. You, God made alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Paul wrote that in context with being mature in Christ. Okay? So if you're going to be mature in Christ, you need to know this and you need to live this out. You need to understand this truth that, that, that one, that, uh, that in Christ is, uh, in Christ you were, you, were, you were buried and you were also raised back to life. Right? And so he says in the verse previously that that happens in baptism. All right, you're buried, your old self is buried, you come out of that water, a new person, new identity in Christ. All right, so, so, so here's what he's talking about, this being buried, okay? He says, you who are dead in your trespasses and sins, understand, you know what the first lie recorded in the Bible was? The first lie ever to be recorded in the Scripture, in Genesis, by the way. Yep, what, what did the serpent say that was a lie? Hmm? All right, that's it. Yeah, did he really not say that's kind of providing doubt? But the first lie is, you won't surely die. You won't surely die. Let me just tell you, that lie is still being reverberated. If ver- reverberated is a word, I said it like it was. That, that, that lie is still in, in most young people's minds. Some older people's minds. The older you get, the more real that truth becomes is that some I'm, I'm going to die. But the reality is, everybody, you shout. There's nothing that is more opposite from reality than the statement, you shall not surely die. You shall surely die. And here's the truth of Scripture. You deserve to. Like you deserved it. You earned that, that right to die, that, that, that consequence in your own life by your refusal to honor God as God and your refusal to appreciate Him. That's in Romans 121. Romans 121. It all started with people that knew God, but they did not honor Him as God and they were not thankful. To him as God. And that is the problem. We saw that in Colossians, by the way. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as what? Lord, so walk in him. And then the end with abounding in 
good works is part, another scripture, thanksgiving, abounding in thanksgiving, honoring him as God, and thankful. That, that's the whole key. That's where men missed it, and that's where it gets fixed. It, it was missed by Adam and Eve and everybody down there, past their descendants. Everybody, including you and me, did not honor God as God. What does it mean to honor God as God? He gets to call the shots. He gets to make the decision. He gets to decide what's right and what's wrong, what you do, what you don't do. That's his. That's honoring him as God. And being thankful, appreciative to him. Not just I got to do this or I can't do that, but thank you for giving me these parameters that lead to life and not leading me down the road that leads to death. I'm thankful for Google Maps because it leads me around wrecks. It leads me. Now, sometimes it will lead you astray. God never will. But... Google Maps, I'm so thankful for Google Maps. It tells you there's a speed trap up ahead. Praise God. <laughs> Not that I'm speeding already. But that's the problem. The downfall of man is that everybody who's ever lived did not honor God as God and were not, was not thankful to God, and you are in that boat. And here's the problem with that. God deserves honor as God. And appreciation. And I know we said this before, but when you don't give God what God deserves, when you don't give anybody what they deserve, that is an injustice. A, 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 a moral truth has been broken because you did not give somebody what they deserve. When you don't give somebody what they deserve, you become guilty. You become unjust, and God as a just judge must punish, judge, have consequences for injustice. And so we all have this de declaration of guilt on us because of our refusal to let God be God in our lives and our refusal to be thankful to Him. But there's good news. There's good news. You deserve death, but there's good news. And what is the good news? That Jesus, through, through Jesus, God forgave us. Look what verse 13, the end of verse 13. God made us alive together with Christ. Look what it says, past tense. Having forgiven us all our trespasses. Having forgiven our sins, they were many. His mercy is more. God made you alive together with Christ. When you came out of that water, he put supernatural life in you, having already forgiven all of our trespasses. That word forgiven is an interesting word. It's connected to the word grace. And it actually, I think a better translation would be pardoned. It doesn't change it all at all, pardoned, forgiven. But really a, a more legal term would be he pardoned all of our transgressions. He pardoned all of our transgressions. Now you think of the word pardon. When I hear the word pardon, the first thing I think of is at the end of a presidency, every president ever has, they pardon people. And they get to pardon whoever they want to pardon for whatever they did, and it sticks. They don't have to give a reason for why they pardon them. They don't have to make it worthwhile, but whoever is in prison for doing something, the president can say, I pardon this person, and guess what? They get out of jail. They are 
are completely free because they have been pardoned by somebody with the authority to pardon. Now, here's the problem. Pardoning people that are serving sentences for something they rightfully did, if you pardon that person, you remove a rightful judgment against them, and you, you in essence, you, you deny justice. Now, you have the right to do that as President of the United States. But there's no responsibility of justice when it comes to the President of the United States for, for pardoning people in prison. He can do it. It's his right. It's, it's a, the Constitution gives him the right to do so. So he's not doing wrong because he has the authority to do it. But here's the deal with God. Here's the deal with God. God, God pardoned us. In fact, when it says having forgiven us, Look, it says, God made us alive together with him, and God forgave or pardoned all of our trust. God refuses to sidestep justice. Refuses to. In other words, he, he holds himself to the standard of being just and not committing injustices. He holds himself to that standard. Just like the President of the United States, he has the authority to, and the right to do whatever he wants to. But he holds himself to the standard of being just. Unlike any other God that ever existed, by the way. But God holds himself to the standard of justice. And therefore, when we deserve punishment, deserve punishment, consequence for our sins, because we have refused to honor God as God and be thankful, and there is a rightful decree, something written out a charge against us that sticks, he will not just go, well, I just pardon you. That's all right. You just go run and play. Don't do it again. That is not the way it happens. God himself says, no, your debt has to be paid. The good news is he pardoned all of our trespasses, verse 14. By the way, trespasses is what you did wrong that you shouldn't have done. Not honoring him as God, not being thankful. And by the way, if you're in this room, and you're living your life not to honor God, if you're not honoring God as God in your life, and you're not thankful in your life, you are guilty. You are guilty. You're not alone. We've all been guilty. But God expects that of you if you're breathing, that you honor Him as God and you're thankful. But how did He pardon our transgressions, our sins, what we did wrong? He did it by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demand. He canceled it. That again sounds like he may have just said, you know what, that's all right, I'll just mark it out. Literally, it, it does say he blotted it out. That word cancel, he blotted it out. As if it was written with pencil and he licked his finger and he like marked it out and wiped away the, wiped away the, 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 the words. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. What does that mean? We were rightfully accused. We were charged with something and we were absolutely guilty of it. And God pardoned us how? By smearing it out, by blotting it out, that, that, that record of debt that, that come before him as judge that said, you know what, this Kevin Whitworth is guilty. A.J. Newby is guilty. Joseph Powell is guilty. Carrie Lonis is guilty. Eric Lonis is guilty. And your name in there, you're guilty. He, for, he pardoned that transgression. He canceled that record of rightful debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And how did he do it? 
This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Set aside means he took it from where it was and he put it somewhere else. And where did he put it? On the cross. What in the world does nailing it to the cross have to do with fulfilling justice for my guilt and your guilt? Well, here's here's the way God set it up. God set it up that in such a way that um, if you're guilty, you have to die. Okay? That's what he said. In fact, he told Adam and Eve, the, the, the day you eat of the tree, you shall surely die. And that's the where Satan came up with the lie, you shall not surely die. And we are all living examples of the fact that when you don't honor God as God and you don't, you're not thankful to him, you, you die spiritually. But I would say even more so than spiritually. But you are absolutely, you don't have life in you. You're breathing, you're walking, but you're living for yourself. You're not living, you don't even have a mindset of that, you know, living for God. What in the, what in the world, why would I want to live for God? What, what, why should I? No, no thought of that. You are dead. But God in the, in the very beginning with Genesis showed that there was something that he was going to do. When you deserve to die that day, he showed that he's going to postpone your death by doing what? By killing something else in your place. God himself killed an animal, shed blood, and that animal gave its life in the place of Adam and Eve, and it was a temporary covering. And with those skins from that dead animal, God made clothes for Adam and Eve, and he put them on. The, what was the first clothing ever, by the way? Leaves, fig leaves, right? And God said, no, fig leaves ain't going to do it. Something has to die. So, so something has to cover your sins. So God, God killed the animal. God shed the blood that temporarily paid the price for Adam and Eve's sins that let them breathe another day. And by the way, what God said, and we see in the law of Moses, every morning, every evening, something had to die. Temporarily. Every day, temporary covering your sin. Temporary so that you could live. Something has to die in your place. You see the Passover lamb. Something had to die in your place. You see the day of atonement, the goat that was slaughtered for your sin. The day something has to die for sins. And so he said this, but he said that that their blood has to be shed because you deserve to have your blood shed. You deserve to die. And the good news is what God said is. He sent, John 3, 16, to take that. God sent his son to die in our place. Now, the good thing about Jesus' blood is it paid for our sins, not just for that day, but eternally. Because he was innocent. That's the key. Jesus was innocent. Jesus always honored God as God, and he always was thankful. And so when his blood was shed, it was not shed for his sins. In other words, if you think about it like this, think of a, 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 of, of a debt that we all have because of our sin. In fact, it says, canceling the record of debt. That record of debt, here's what you owe your life. You have to die because you sinned. The, if you're reading the scriptures, the one who sins shall die. That's it. So you owe this record of debt. 
You owe this regular debt that said you've got to die for your sin. And let's just say you've got a little gift card here that's full of debt, all right? And it says you've got to die. And so when you die, that debt that you owe on that card, maybe a credit card would be a, a better example. You've got that credit card with all that debt. When you die, that debt gets paid because you, you rightfully paid for it, okay? Here's the deal with Jesus. Jesus, when he died, there was no withdrawal. There was no, he didn't pay for his own sin. He had a card that, 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 that paid for enough for not just his, uh, our sin, but the sins of the entire world. Because he didn't have to pay for his sins with that card. He had no sins. And so the blood of Jesus, which is, which, which is worth much more than the, the blood of a lamb or the blood of a goat, has enough forgiveness for the sins of the entire world. what Scripture teaches. And so here's what God said. Being just, in fact, let's look at Romans chapter 3. I want you to see this. Romans chapter 3, starting with verse 23 and going through verse 26. It's one of those verses, Romans Road, right? For all have sinned, it says. That includes you and me. Fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What that means is, that, that means that Jesus paid the debt for our sin. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God incurring guilt and a debt, but we're also justified by His grace, Him doing something for us that we could not do, which was dying for our sins and paying for our sins so that we could be alive. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. Whom God put forward as a propitiation. What a great word, propitiation. When you read propitiation, just in your mind go, that's more than this. That's why they didn't translate it into a more understandable word. It was a word that was deep, and they're like, we're not even going to try to explain this word fully. because We're just going to say propitiation. They knew we didn't know what that word meant, they just said, but we can't do any better. But basically, when you see propitiation, just see in your mind, paid in full. Paid in full. Remove the hostility that was between God and us because of our sin. Literally, it was, a, it was something that was given to somebody that was angry to satisfy them. And God was angry. He was just. And injustice has been done. And don't you get mad when injustice is done. You should. Should. God does. Injustice has to be paid for. So he was upset, but he received the blood of Jesus, which satisfied the, the, the anger of God that justice was done, all right? This was to show God's righteousness, God is just, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Why didn't he kill people as soon as they sinned? Because he knew he was going to pay for their sin in full. So he could say, I forgive you, knowing that he was going to pay for it in full in Christ. Verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time with Jesus so that he might be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Two things I want to, know, I want, I want to make note of. One, God is just. He will punish injustice. Two, he paid, he paid for your injustice with the blood of Jesus. So that you could have your sins pardoned. But notice it says, for the one who has faith in Jesus. You see in verse 24 it says, verse 23 says, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. And that includes all of us. But he also says, all are justified. So you might think 
since everybody sinned and deserved guilt, if everybody's justified, then nobody has any guilt because of what Jesus did. If Jesus paid for everybody's debt, then why don't everybody go to heaven? That's a simple way to put it. It's not even doctrinally correct, but that's the way I'm going to put it. Does everybody go to heaven because Jesus paid for the sins of the entire world? No, no, no. You've got to understand the importance of faith in Jesus. Scripturally, over and over again, faith in Jesus is key if you want the, the payment that Jesus paid for applied to your debt. The money is there sufficiently for the sins of the entire world. Yours included. Everybody's. But if it's going to be applied to your account, it's going to be applied to your account through faith in Jesus. What is faith in Jesus? Believing Jesus. Trusting Jesus. Surrendering your life to Jesus. That's what faith is. 1 John 2.2 2 says that Jesus is the propitiation, the full payment for all of our sins. Not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. You see that. That's a truth. Now go back to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 this time. Yeah. You heard that in your, uh, your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. There's the with him. There's the faith in Christ part. God made alive together with him. Without him, you are dead. Without him, you still deserve death. Without him, you will still suffer the consequence of not only just physical death, but eternal separation from God. The key to having your sins, the payment for your sins applied to your account is, are you with Christ? Are you in Christ? How do you get in Christ? Faith. Faith in Jesus is what Romans said. Paul here in Colossians says, you are included in Christ when you went under that water and came back out. He said, you, when you went under that water, died with Christ. Literally, your, your body of flesh, your old identity was, was killed. You were raised to life a new person with a new identity. So, so, so this, is, this gets into what, what Paul says in verse 15. I'll start with verse 14. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. God did that. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Here's what that means. You literally have people rooting against you. Power, spiritual beings rooting against you. Wanting you to fail and fall and be guilty. It's hard to think of that. That people just hate you or beings just hate you just for no reason. They just do. They want you to fail. They want to trip you up. And ultimately they want you to trip you up because they love to trip God up. They want God to be mocked. And so, and so what, they, what these uh, authorities did is they had your sins written on these, pap on these papers. Theoretical papers. And, they, and, and, and they'd go around, and they'd say, look at Eric Lonis. Thought he was one of yours. Look at this. You wanted him, God. You, you gave him a good family, a godly family. You had him raised in church. But looky here what he's done. 
You, he can't be a part of your family because look what he's done. He deserves death, God. He deserves death. We have an accuser. We have an accuser. You have an accuser, somebody that does that with you, not only just in your ear but in God's ear. God, if you're just, you cannot let them into your family because look at what they've done. They're guilty. Are you just, God? You're not going to be unjust, are you, God? what they do and they wave it in God's face and they wave it in your face you can't look at you you are worthless because you are guilty what they didn't see coming though was that God was going to take those things that they were waving in the face of him and waving in your face and he was going to take them and in Christ he was going to just I don't knock them he was going to nail them to the cross they didn't see that coming. They didn't see that coming. They're over there waving and just says, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. And he goes and they nail it to the cross. And here they are waving and they look and there ain't nothing in their hand anymore. Because it's all been paid for. In fact, there may even be paper in their hand and they look on it and there's nothing written. It's been wiped out. It's been blotted out. It's been cleared. That's what that means. And so here they are accusing you, and he goes, what proof do you have? And there's nothing. There's nothing. No evidence. Where are your accusers? None, Lord. None, Lord. Not, not because of you. God did that for you. You didn't do that. God did that for you. God designed this whole cross thing, this whole idea of Jesus dying on the cross for your rightful guilt. You are guilty. But Jesus paid it all. So here's, here's the deal. Here's what I want you to think about. Jesus, think about this. I don't know if you're in here today and you're a liar. You were a liar. You got an issue with lying. This is a rightful guilt. These people don't enter the kingdom of heaven, by the way. The Bible says that there is there's a place for all liars. In hell, in the lake of fire, there's a place for liars. All liars have their place in the lake of fire. That's a rightful, guilty verdict against you because you lie. Maybe it's drunkenness. It's rightful. Paul said in Galatians... This will keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. Rightfully. Like you're not going to sneak your way in. Like you're guilty. Malice. Malice. To keep you out. This is in the list of things that will keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. What is malice? Malice is me being against somebody. Wanting you to fail. Wanting you to be punished. Don't be against anybody. I'm telling you, your worst enemy, you need to be for because God was for you when you were his enemy. The fact, the only hope you got is because God takes his enemies and he's for them. Malice. Guilty. I was guilty of this. By the way, I'm still guilty of this at times. Auburn, Tennessee. I'm an Alabama fan, so I mean, you Auburn and Tennessee fans, you know. I'm rooting for Tennessee and anybody that plays Alabama, right? That's the way it is. I mean, that was talking in Papa Dale's spot there. But 
God, God has convicted me. That's Malin. Um, still have not watched the kick six again, by the way. Turn the TV off every time it comes on. But anyway, <clears throat> jealousy. This is in the list. Jealousy. Things that will keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. This is sexual fulfillment outside of your spouse. It'll keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. Perversion. Perversion. That's all Satan did was take God's promise and pervert it. Did God really say? That's where he started, perverting it. He's really good at perverting truth. Envy. They don't deserve that. I should have that. That ought to be mine. That job was mine. That should be my girl. That should be my guy. They don't deserve that. That should be mine. Envy. Boy, the pages, the list, just goodness. Who wrote all this? Idolatry. Oh, goodness. Thank you. Thankfully, now I can get something. I've never gone to an idol's temple and sacrificed to an idol. No, 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 no. You don't get idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of anything other than God. You ever sit on the throne of your life? You're guilty. Anything on the throne of your life, money, sexual morality, stuff, materials, pride, pride. <laughs> Pride's in there. Pride's in there, okay? Greed, in there. All these are things that it says you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. There's a place for hell, in hell for you, for all those things. That's a pretty big list. And I, I dare to say, there ain't one in there that I haven't done and it could be a thousand times this. And, and I got a feeling you're in the same boat I am. And so for all of us in the same boat, the only hope we have is for God to have taken this. Only hope. Apart from Christ, I can't even grab all of them. They're still waving this in the face of God and in yours, and rightfully so. Apart from Christ. Because the debt's been paid, but it's not been applied to your account yet if you're apart from Christ. And so this applies to you. And so don't think you're going to outwit God and outwit his judgment because God is a just judge. He is a just judge. He's, he doesn't deal with loopholes. The only hope you got is that all this has been nailed to the cross. By God, by God, okay, all this nailed to the cross, that he took it, he set it aside, again, setting aside means to take it from where it was and put it somewhere else, he took it and he put it on Christ, on the cross, nailing it, so what that means is when, when they nailed those nails into Jesus' hands, if you're in Christ, they nailed those nails into your hands. That, that guilty, fleshly body that was the God of their own lives, he was crucified, and you were crucified with him. That's biblical. That's what he's talking about. You were, I am crucified with Christ. That's what this means. That's why we say that. It's not just a verse. I was crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. 
and I no longer live. Here's the deal. If you still want to live, you ain't been crucified. If you still want to live, there's no sense in being crucified. If you still want to live, there's no sense in being baptized. The only way you get this nailed to the cross is if you die with Christ. If you were crucified with Christ. That's the only way this stuff gets taken off of you, by the way, and put on Christ and paid for by Him. But when, when those nails are being driven into His hands, those nails are being driven into your hands, and all this started being paid for. Every hammer strike that went in was paying for all these things that you rightfully deserved and that Jesus, un- unrightfully is not the right word, paid for you. Mercifully, graciously paid for you. If you are, if you have died with Christ, that's where all that stuff is. Therefore, when you physically die, that stuff is not on you when you die. It's already been paid for. If you are not in Christ or with Christ, when you die, you die with all that stuff still on you and you stay dead. Because you're rightfully dead. It's just justice. It's justice. Separated from God, justice. But with Christ, if you died with Christ, if you died with Christ, literally not faking it, not I'm going to get baptized so I can fake God out so that he'll think I died with Christ. No, no, he knows whether or not you have faith. But if in faith you die with Christ, That payment gets applied to your account. In faith, you die with Christ. His death gets applied to your life. His blood gets applied to your sin. His blood blots out all the record of debt that stood against you. Rightfully so. When you're raised up, you are raised with supernatural life. That will never, never, ever, ever again have to pay for that because it's paid for. You are absolutely free from all that stuff. Now you are free to do that stuff still. But you're free to choose. Now here's the deal. When you come up out of that water and you got life and you still continue to choose to do that over and over and over again, there's consequences to that. But I can tell you for my sake, God never let me stay in that stuff. He loved me enough to say, that's not it. He put his Holy Spirit in me to know that I couldn't, I couldn't stay in that stuff. I couldn't stay in that stuff. I couldn't, I couldn't be sad. I couldn't be happy and stay in that stuff. So in closing, <laughs> have you been crucified with Christ? Have you been crucified with Christ? The way you're crucified with Christ, again, faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. Apart from faith, you're still dead in your sins. But if you put your faith in Christ as Lord and Savior, you make that choice to surrender your life to Him because you believe He is He's, He's Lord. If you make that choice and you follow that, let me just tell you, Again, this is where I believe I missed it for so many years. This is why Pastor David is getting baptized today. 
Because we've read in Colossians, something happens in baptism. That God has set it up in such a way that baptism, now here's the deal, I don't, at what point does, does faith itself make all the difference in the world? And, and, and if it makes all the difference in the world, why baptism? I can't explain that fully to you. I'm not that smart. But I can say what Paul said more than once. He said it in Colossians. He said it in Romans. I can tell you what, what Peter says in 1 Peter 3. Baptism. God uses baptism to strip away the old man and to make alive the new man. Above that, I don't know that I have an answer for you. But I'm just saying that's what Paul said about baptism. That's what Peter said about baptism. And so I'm just going to say what Peter and Paul said about baptism. That when you go down in that water you and come back up, your old person stays dead and the new person comes to life. And he puts his Holy Spirit in you and everything changes. Everything changes. It's a brand new life. Unless that has happened to you, you're still dead in your sins. But you don't have to be. But you don't have to be. Last verse and then we'll close. I said in closing, that's the last verse. Last verse. Matthew, go to Ma- <laughs> Last verse. Matthew 27, 37. I'm going to skip a verse. Matthew 27, 37. I want you to just get the full visual here. Look what it says. When Jesus died over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. This is why he's crucified. These are the charges against him. Why he did what he did that was so bad that he had to be crucified. This is Jesus. He was the king of the Jews. That's the worst that they could come up with. They tried to put him on trial. They couldn't find anything that he was guilty of. So all we can put is this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. He did not deny that, by the way. Here's the deal. On his head. He may have just had that sign, but there was also some stuff hung. Some charges hung. Some charges hung on the cross, by the way. That's where the charges are hung, on the cross. That's how, that's the mental picture of nailing it to the cross. So when he died, he died as the king of the Jews for his own self. But he also died greedy, and prideful, and perverted, and jealous, and envious, and sexually immoral, and impure, and idolatrous because of me. And all that stuff was hung on him, and it didn't stick to him. But thank God that blood that died for all that stuff, because he didn't have to use it for himself, gets applied to me and you who need it desperately. I want to encourage you, put your faith in Christ. There's no sense in you going and dying in your sins. Jesus paid it all. When he said it is finished, the payment was in full. But you can still die in your sins if you choose to. But if you do, it's not God's fault, it's his. If you don't want to die in your sins, trust Christ. Make him your Lord, make him your Savior. Believe him. Believe him. Faith. Faith. Trust him. Make him your Lord and Savior and then follow him and and, and die to that old flesh and be made new by him and live the rest of your life to glorify God.
He did everything he could so that you can do that. The rest is up to us. Let's pray.